Let's go to the book of Jude, please. We'll pick up in verse five, a new little short series for the summer, but one that I believe is gonna touch us greatly. We had the first week, I believe, was powerful, and so we give God praise for that. Also be in prayer for our kids as they come home Friday. A lot is going on. Let me also say this, and let me just kind of package this in a good way. I am so glad to be your pastor. This is a great church. Sometimes we hit some bumps, and sometimes as, as a family we hit some bumps, but I watch us in crisis, and, and when there's trouble in Oconee County or their situations, you stand as one in the faith of Jesus Christ, and you plead the blood, and you plead the grace of God. Amen? That's what we should do as Christians. Amen? And I am honored to be your pastor. I do not say that uh, in a small way at all. You are good people of God. Let's go tonight. But I want to remind you, though, picking up where we left off, you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. It's powerful, verse six. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains and darkness for judgment of that great day. Verse seven. And listen, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, this was Ephesians 5 that we talked about recently on Sunday night, are set forth what as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Verse 8. Now you know why Jude does not preach much. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. I believe the King James calls them filthy dreamers. Reject authority, three things they do, and they speak evil of dignitaries. I want to pick up tonight. Where we left off last week, I told you what apostasy was, and I showed you a portrait of apostates as far as breaking down um, ter terminology, so to speak. But listen, Jude goes a step further. He wants to give you three examples that you can see in 2018. He said, yep, that, that's, that's, that's it right there. He wants you to see that so you will not fall by the wayside or be taken by false doctrine or false prophets. Listen to me. I know that's not shouting words. I know that's not something to make you dance over, but I want you to hear me tonight. This is the hour that the prophet spoke about. Amen. You are living in the hour where the Old Testament man of God said they will call good evil and evil good. That's the day that we live in. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. This little book right before the book of Revelation is given to us that we might understand the time in which we live in and not be swayed away by false doctrine that will cause us to miss the mark. Now let me set this up because there's one point about remembrance that I believe God is gonna speak concerning the moment for some of the families inside the church tonight. But he speaks to us and he says, I wanted to write to you about the salvation that you and I share, common salvation. Doesn't mean common in power, but common that we all share this salvation, meaning that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all and we need nothing else for salvation. It's common. Common for your grandmother, common for a pastor a hundred years ago, and common also for Neil Nolan tonight. He says, but why it was so common? And I wanted to write to you, thank you, about it. He said, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit actually arrested me and I had to write about what I call a 
apostasy. These, these preachers, apostates, that preach doctrine contrary to Scripture. It was what Paul said to the church at Ephesus. He said, Steve, I'm afraid to go. He said, because I know as soon as I leave, there's going to be wolves show up at the door and they're going to try to come in and take from you. There are two things shown that he warned us about. First of all, he said that there are going to be these grievous, these bloodthirsty wolves that come in. As soon as I step away, they're going to try to come in and plant seeds of false doctrine inside the church. Listen to me. One generation does not have to miss it by a million miles. They just have to miss it. If they miss it an inch here, 10 years from now, it'll be 10 miles. So the enemy wants to come in and sow seeds of destruction by planting false doctrine. He says, I warn you against these type things, these evil men, these, these people that come in and breathe these false things against you. He called them certain men, these certain men that will come inside the church and begin to destroy you. He says, I want to warn you about that outside presence that's going to creep inside the church. Listen to me. That's why when we need something done tonight, oh, we need an answer to our problems. We do not have to go to the news or any outside source, but we can trust the Word of God, the presence of God, the Spirit of God to lead and guide us to all truth. And I can somebody say amen. amen. He said then secondly, he said not only would there be attack from the outside, but he said there will also be something from the inside. Thank you. There will be something from the inside. He said there will be these preachers that come up, they will come up inside of you. The, these, these preachers that begin to preach this false doctrine. And really he was not concerned about the outside as much as he was the inside. He knew that there would be some inside the church that would begin to preach things that would please their flesh. Listen, false doctrine always pleases the flesh of man and usually the flesh of man that's preaching the word. Money, women, doesn't matter. He said these two things are going to happen. He says there's going to be an attack from the outside and also false, do false doctrine being preached from the outside. He said this would be the day of apostasy, that these apostates would come to the forefront and they will cause many to fall away. That's 2 Thessalonians. He says in the last days, there shall be a great falling away. That fall away happens when we open up the doors of the church and allow them to attack us by planting their ideas and their ideology inside the church. The government should never tell us what we can do inside the church as it pertains to our faith. We are not governed by governors or senators in the spiritual realm. They can tell us how fast to drive. They can tell us how much taxes to pay. But when it comes to loving my neighbor and living holy and living in holiness and serving God, I am judged by the word of God and the Holy Spirit alone. Can you give God praise for that? that tonight. Next 20 and 30, he says, there will be men that will draw you away, but speaking perverse things to make you their disciples. Persecution has never destroyed the church. Persecution has always been the friend of the church of God. Persecution has been one of the greatest tools that we've ever had. But one of the greatest detriments is false doctrine and teachers that preach anything that goes against the word of God. Now let me show you what I mean by that tonight. And this is where we pick up verse five. Are you ready? Look to your neighbor and say, get ready tonight. Ready. Evidently there was... Some who did not understand. 
So Jude says, okay, I'll give you uh, some examples. He gives us three. First of all, he says in verse five, he said, but I want to remind you, the King James says, put in remembrance, though you once knew this, he says, you already know this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Listen, we have a tendency to forget what God, who God is and also what God has done for us. Some of you are in battles right here tonight. You're fighting for your family, your faith, your finances. You're fighting for things that matter. And if you're not careful, you will go by the way of some today that will explain God and bring him down to our level. To say, listen, those stories of the Old Testament, they're just fairy tales. That manifestation of the Spirit in the book of Acts, that was just for that time and it has ceased. You will begin to preach and understand because of your circumstance. Listen, never let circumstance dictate your theology. Let your theology dictate your circumstance. Never let your situation point its finger and tell you who your God is. Let you with your words and by your faith and by your deeds and by your actions look at your circumstance and remind your circumstance that this thing is not over yet. My God is still in control and no matter what the enemy throws my uh, against me today, I know if God did it back then, then God can also do it again tonight and thus I will not be moved. Your faith must stand trial. Then if it doesn't, then you don't understand what faith is all about sickness and peril, circumstance and death. But the good news is you don't serve an absentee God. You serve a God that is always present. Let me prove it to you. He says, there is this example in the Old Testament of how God looked and told a man, let my people go. He sent a man of God to go to him and say, listen, Pharaoh, let my people go. Finally, after 10 plagues, he lets them go. And Ronnie, they get to a place by the Red Sea. What happens is God stacks the waters on top of themselves. Stacks them up. Stacks them up. They walk across on dry land. When they get across, you know the story. You learn it in children's church. They walk across on dry land. The Egyptians try to come behind. The taskmasters try to come behind. And the water closes and they drown. God takes them a few more steps past the Jordan River and keeps on going. And then they finally reach the promised land. They're at the door. God says, this is what I have promised. Have I not been faithful? Did I not come through for you? Did I not slay every giant? Did I not let you cross every river? Did I not tell you to set up memorial stones so you can look back every time the enemy comes in and says, God did it then and God did it there and God saved there and God delivered my child. These are memorials in your mind that God is still God. All of a sudden though, he said, listen, we're at the land. Let's go spot out. Let me see where I'm going to put my house. Let me go see where I'm going to put my cows. Let me see where I'm going to put my sheep. Let me see where I'm going to put my jacuzzi on the back side. You, you understand what I'm saying. Let us go out there and spy it out. They send 10 spies. You know the story. They go out there, the 10 spies. The majority comes back and says, listen, let's go back. 
Let's turn around right now. Let's go back to Egypt. I'd rather be beat by the whip to face what we got to face. One asks, is God a liar? Is it not true? Are there no grapes there? Is there no honey? Oh, no, there's grapes. Listen, he says there's grapes the size of what? Grasshoppers. Hello? Listen, I'm telling you something. Now, and that's stretch a little bit in, in, in my breaking down theology, but that's some big grapes, amen? Are you listening? It was exactly how God had promised. But the problem was this. They thought that once they got there, that they could just walk right in. But they realized somebody else was living in their land. And they come back and said, we can't do it. We cannot do it. Two stand up and said, we can take it. We can take it right now. If God delivered us from the Egyptians, if God let us walk across on dry land, then don't you think that God can also do this today? The majority said no, and they swayed the people. The first sign or the first portrait that Jude wants to show you is this. A sign of apostasy in the church is when the church gets so cold, listen to me, and gets so dry and gets so far removed from a prayer room. Are you listening tonight? That we forget who God is and what God has already done. We have no more testimonies because we have no more people to testify. I feel him now. We cannot testify because we have forgotten the hand of the Lord. Oh, can you look back over your life and see every miracle, every time the car wreck should have killed you, but it didn't, every time your child should have, should have died, but he didn't. The day that God saved your daughter, uh, Denise, I remember the first time I heard Lacey preach. Victoria, I see you walking in your ministry. Billy, I saw you working out there at VBS. I'm seeing new people come in the church and going to work. All those are victories of what God can do. I remember when God healed somebody in my ministry. I remember when God done something amazing. Let me, let me just throw this out there. The, the man that died and was buried on Monday, they showed a picture. Let me tell you when. This man fell like he was unworthy to be a bishop in the church of God because of something that had happened. And over the last three years, we met with him and we began to pour into him and finally he realized that I am qualified in Jesus Christ. This man who thought he was not qualified to be a man of God, we took him through the process. He was a minister, but not at the highest rank because he felt like he did not qualify. Ashley was your former pastor, myself. We began to work with him and the last year, he received the highest rank of ministry and began to flow in an anointing because it opened up more doors for him. And when he died, they showed the picture of him standing in a place that he always dreamed of. That was a victory in my life to help a man of God get to the place that God has called him. I don't know who I come to preach to tonight. I know right now it seems all hell is winning in your life. And I know right now you can't find God. And I know right now it looks like that there are giants living in your house and your child should be saved by now but he's running with a crowd or he's done something or she's done something or they've done something and you don't understand but God sent your pastor by this way tonight I have drove over 20 hours to get back here to let you know round trip this week I've got to let somebody know tonight if God did it back then then God can also do it tonight but he needs a church listen he needs a church that will open 
open our doors and say this, they may believe God is dead and they may believe that the Holy Ghost is not for 2018 and they may believe that God cannot heal or save but at the North Walhalla Church of God, we believe he is who he says he is and we believe he will do exactly what he says he will do. They stand at the border of the promised land and Caleb and Joshua says, God said it, it's ours. First portrait of a church that's going the wrong way is a church who has forgotten the power of God. What do you need tonight? What do you need from God? Has he ever been late in your life? He may not have come to your rescue when you asked for him. But he's always been on time. What do you need tonight? What does the world say about it? What does everybody else say? No, what does God say about it tonight? Let me move quickly. That was the first picture. Let's go to the second. Next verse, please. Verse six. Not only will God judge sin... And that was sin. What happened there? God did not let them enter the promised land. They died in the wilderness, except for the two oldest and then the children. But those who opposed God died there. It is a portrait, listen, that God will always judge sin. It's quiet in here tonight. Are you listening? We cannot become so apathetic and have a spirit of apathy in the church because we have relaxed so much that we doubt the power of almighty God. Last week at youth camp, I said three things that the Holy Ghost told me to say on Thursday night. And they, wasn't, they weren't like the sky is blue and the night is black. No, there were three specific things one was a kid that was using a certain drug. Another was a PK female because of a situation. And the third one I won't speak of. And before we left that night, all three of those stepped out by faith and were delivered. God is still God. And when I cease to believe that he is all powerful, then I will resign from the church of God and I will get me a job at Dollar General or wherever else. But as long as I believe, I know it's old fashioned, I know it's not popular, I know people want to stay away from this, but I believe that he is God and he is all powerful and he can do exactly what he said he can do. God always judges sin and apostasy. Verse six, I want to get through three of them. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of that great day. Listen now, do not tell me just because you sit in church tonight that you cannot turn your back on God. I have known preachers and one of the greatest things I have to fight against, you can get so busy in taking care of the church is the grass cut, are the bills paid, are the pews cleaned. Is this sister visited? Do we have flowers for this funeral? You get so busy doing the work of the church that God becomes secondary. Are you listening? 
You're so busy making sure everybody's happy, this is done. And I've known preachers, I've had to fight against it myself. I've known some preachers, one even testified recently that you do not have to study. Don't need to study, just, just grab a sermon. And God, I do not believe that. I do not believe that. And I have to fight against it because if you're not careful, church becomes so routine. Are you listening? You say, but brother, not in the presence of the Lord. The Bible said that there were angels. Where? Not in hell. Where were they at, church? They were in heaven. And the Bible said, who did not keep their proper place, their proper domain. Now listen, we can break a lot down a lot of theology, and if you want to, we can. We can talk about the sons of the giants of Genesis, and we can do all that. Or I can just take this as a whole and show you what I believe. I'll do that first. If you want me to break it down, talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, we can do that as well. But for tonight, I'm going to take it as a whole. They left their proper domain, but left their own abode who has reserved in everlasting chains. We're talking about angels. Now we know that Lucifer was known as the anointed cherubim. And we saw him fall down as lightning cast down from the sky. Are you listening? What caused that? We know that through the Old Testament of him being in music, that pride entered into him. You hear me? In the middle of worship, in the middle of right now all around them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The angels of cried, holy, holy, holy. We know that there was a third. We know that there was a group, I should say, that opposed God and went against God because they left their state. Listen, right in the middle of this church, right in the middle of preaching, tongues being spoken, people being healed, affairs can start right here in the middle of the church. <laughs> I feel like I'm by myself for a moment. Are you listening? Right in the middle of the church. Then we rationalize it. My husband won't come to church with me. And that man in the choir that sings beside him, he looks so good. And I just want a good Christian man. And so things can happen right in the middle of worship. And of a sign of an apostate church, an apostasy of the end days, is that right in the middle of God's presence, pride will rise up inside the believers and they will begin to dictate back to God what is right and what is wrong. And in the middle of the church, in the middle of singing, in the middle of worship, pride will come in us, but we forget what the scripture says. Brother God, when it says pride does what? It always comes before what? A fall. I saw him fall. And he says there's a last day movement inside the church. That pride and arrogance will rise up and it will cause many to drift and fall away. Think about that tonight. We no longer know what's good, and we no longer know what's evil. Oh, Brother Nolan, God didn't mean that I could. Yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. And in the middle of the last days, on the brink, I believe, of the coming of the Lord, there is this move in the church that says he can't do it anymore. And then there's a move that says we really don't need him. There are churches that I used to run revivals at. One right now, 
who this day when we were in prayer for, that ran over 500, listen to me, North Walla, over 500 and now they're well below 250 and they're dropping. It used to be the church for God. I saw miracle after miracle. God come, I saw people delivered. I saw husbands and wives restored, but now for whatever reason, that church has drifted away and the presence of God is not there anymore. We've got to be careful here at North Walla. We've got to protect what we have. We've got to guard what we have. There's going to be tough days and there's going to be times you're going to want to walk away. There's going to be times I'm going to want to walk away. But until we hear from the voice of God, we've got to get up every day and say, that's the place of worship. I will go humble myself in the mighty hand of God. And I know God will speak to me on my behalf. If you believe that, would you give God praise tonight? Second Peter 2 and 4 said it this way. For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell, the word there is Tartarius, which is a special prison or house for fallen angels, and deliver them to chains of out of darkness, not just Sheol, to be reserved into judgment. It's that God has a place already. Some that are loosed, but Second Peter says there's a place where they're chained up. What does that tell us tonight? That means God is going to bring judgment. You listening? He's going to judge sin and disobedience. And he will bring judgment even on those who once worshiped into his presence. We have to make sure tonight. We have to make sure tonight. Now I can go a little bit further and show you how in the middle of the cross that he preached to these spirits. What do I mean by that? Not to redeem them, but to show them you cannot defeat the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's move on. Third thing tonight, verse seven, and then we'll close. As Solomon Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these having given themselves over to sexual immorality. Now listen to me. I would love to tell you that sexual immorality is greater now than in the New Testament. But let me be honest with you. It's not. It's not. But there is a point that I believe is different. Now I know somebody's going to disagree with me, but Brother Nolan, it's in greater measure. That I will agree with. I think technology and other things have enhanced it, okay, but even in the early church, in the Corinthian church, one man was having a relationship with his father's wife. Church, this, we're talking scripture tonight. They were so of the flesh filthy that they couldn't even take communion. They were getting drunk in the house of the Lord and touching other flesh. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians 5 speaks of this uh, 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 I'm trying to watch what I say, but the Bible says of a group situation. It speaks of that. So I can't just tell you that it's greater now, but this is what I can tell you. Watch what it says. That God judged, what? Sodom and Gomorrah and those who gave themselves over to sexual immorality gone after strange flesh are set forth as what? An example of suffering vengeance of eternal fire. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? You remember when the angels came down? And they had to hide them in the house. And what the man of God say, don't touch them. Why are you after them? He even said, why not you take my daughters? Now, most theologians think that he knew they weren't going to go after his daughters. Why? Because they were bound not only by sexual immorality, but they were bound by a certain sexual immorality. Don't get quiet on me. I'm just preaching scripture. We can take the word of God or we can't. 
And I know, listen, do I believe sin, sin? Yes, I do. Do I believe that God can redeem anybody? I absolutely believe that. But I also know that there are greater consequences to some sin. You break the law tonight, driving 60 to 55, that's a sin. You broke the law and you gotta pay $50. But tonight, if you have an affair, you can lose your family tonight. You understand? Sin, but greater consequence. He said the third example is this, that in the last days, there will be an, there would be an acceptance of sexual sin, of making excuses for sexual sin. Are you listening? And then they would take it not only sexual sin, but then there would be a Romans one desire we talked about the wrath of God Sunday night. You remember that in Ephesians 5? The wrath of God's not lightning hitting somebody over the head, but it's God giving them over to themselves. Therefore, they reap the destruction that they have sown. And I cannot touch this night and teach it properly with Solomon Gomorrah unless I touch the sin of homosexuality. I know it's a tough subject. But saints of God, can I be honest with you tonight? There are certain denominations now that have ordained bishops in their church of people of the same sex lifestyle. I'm not making fun of them. I'm not gonna say words that we should not say because I would not do that with a liar, the gospel, or the adulterer. I believe God can save those people and turn their life around. But also as a minister of the gospel, I must be also balanced. And I must also tell you that Jude says, that is the portrait of the last day church. It's the putting the family picture up there where we call evil good and good evil. We're ordaining it now and putting it up to say it's natural. But Romans 1 says, no, no, it's not natural. They have given themselves to over what is unnatural. Brother Nolan, that will never touch Wahala. Come on, my friend. It's around us tonight. So what do I do, Pastor, with that? You guard yourself. Two, if we see somebody in sexual immorality or even homosexuality, we love them with a spirit of love. We open the doors to them. We do not highlight their sin over anybody else's. But we also love them in truth. And we say, listen, you have a, you have a situation that is a sin. Like I had a situation that was a sin. Let, let me push it there so we just don't leave it there. How many times we've seen even in ministry. Somebody wanted me to bring a singing group to our church recently. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You say, why, Pastor? Because the man that was in the group had another man's wife with him on the bus traveling and singing. I can't ordain that. But Brother Nolan, they're, they're, they're working it out. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. That's not right. It's quiet here tonight. Please go to the next verse. Please, verse eight. Look to your neighbor and say, I love my preacher. Would you do that for me, please? Thank you. He said three things. I close right here. I got five minutes. He said, likewise, these are filthy dreamers. These people have things so despicable that they've already made it up in their mind. I want to get in trouble here. And they will allow it to happen depending on who their last name is, how much money they have, or what they might can do 
for me. They dream up things that are filthy inside the church. Are you listening? Yesterday at the funeral, I walked by a young lady who was hurt by the church, by an individual in the church who should have never done. And I told her, I put my arm around her with the presence of another minister. And I said, I'm proud of you. I said, also on behalf of the ministers of the church of God, I apologize. And when you forgive, and she said, it wasn't you. I said, would you forgive anybody who took advantage of their authority? And I want you to know that the church loves you. And healing was made. We have a standard to uphold. Our children are watching us. Secondly, they reject authority. I don't care what the word says. I want it. I want it now. I'm going to get it. And if you can't give it to me, church down the road can give it to me. He says that's the picture of apostasy. Look around tonight. Well, y'all with me? I feel like I'm rolling by myself. He says they reject authority. The word of God is clear. Don't, not my authority. I'm authority only in position of being a pastor and a bishop that creates order so the church is not walking in disharmony or dishonor. Same way of a husband and a wife. Because if the two have a disagreement, somebody has to yield to the other. That's the order of the church. Pastor, deacon, staff. You understand what I'm saying? But listen, there comes authority to protect you and to guide you. And that's what the word of God is. It's like you telling your child, I don't want you doing this. Drugs will kill you. And they rejected. He says in the last days, there's going to come a movement and it's going to be apostasy. It's going to be a false doctrine that comes in the church that allows you to reject the word of God and still feel like everything's okay and that you're going to heaven. Lastly, he said, and when that happens, when they reject it, for those who do not give permission, they just run them down and they try to destroy their character so they cannot preach truth. I believe that there's a last day, John the Baptist, that's gonna rise up, who's gonna preach truth in love, but not back down. Somebody has to prepare the coming of the Lord. You listening? And I, I get that with me, I understand that. I understand I have a little old school manner, I get that. I, I'm, I'm coming to grips with some things about my life. Just let me do it slowly. I'm no longer the young preacher, hip school. I get that. I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with that. But I also know this, and we're like last week, where they can, they can do a lot of things, that's fine. But when he shows up, and when he speaks, and the glory comes in, and a kid was delivered from homosexuality last week because he was abused as a child and it was revealed and it could not be denied and healing was brought, then they can't fight with that. The Bible said, who can pull down the strong arm of God? We've got to line up together. We may not always agree, but we've got to line up together because the one thing that we will always agree on if we're not walking as an apostate is this word right here. Amen. Give God praise tonight. Would you stand with me, please? I'll be honest with you, that's not easy teaching. And if you want me to break down those last three things, or really the last two, I will. And it gets really deep there. 
but I think as an overflow, you understand. Then a few, mo- few weeks, we'll talk about clouds without water. And that would really would be a better picture of some of our churches. What I mean by that, that's not really living in the sexual immorality, seeing that, that area, but they have an appearance of godliness and people are hurting, wanting that, and the cloud comes and the farmer gets excited and it doesn't yield rain, then there's disappointment. There, there's a lot of churches like that today and we can't be that either. If somebody shows up at our church, we've gotta be all things to all people that we may win some, amen? Amen. I don't want us to miss it. I don't want us to fall by the wayside. So what do we have to do? We have to look out the outside and make sure that the wolves are not tearing us apart. And then we have to look on the inside. Let me tell you this. We have good Sunday school teachers in this church. Get in a Sunday school class. There are good teachers. There are, there are good biblical teachers in this church. Get in there and start learning the word of God. Amen. Father, we've taught your word tonight. We're in the middle of the busiest season for the church and our people are all over the place right now. But even with that, God, tonight, we're here to hear from you. And Father, tonight, God, there are people in this house that are hurting. And I want to remind them, you did it before, you'll do it again. You did it before, you'll do it again. If you brought them out of Egypt, you could get them to the promised land. Also, God, tonight, let us not be like the angels that fell. But God, let us remind ourselves that God, through humility, you can raise us up. And then lastly, tonight, we saw Sodom and Gomorrah. God, it's an evil day, God. And God, we see that immorality because it's so ever-present with technology in front of our faces. Everywhere we turn, it is there. But as we told on on Sunday night, we are children of the light. And the children of the light does not partake in the things of darkness. Neither do we talk about them, but we expose them that they might be redeemed. So let us do that as we live. Father, we love you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everyone said, greet each other tonight. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning.